Hi, I'm Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. They say your network is your net worth, and this season we'll be meeting highly successful entrepreneurs and learning their networking secrets so that you can learn to do what they have done to build your own high worth network. It's not about taking, it's about giving first, collaboration, creating value. To be the best, hang out with the best. And now, let's meet one of those amazing people I know. Welcome once again to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I am your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. And today, we have my very good friend, Janine Bolin. Janine has always loved figuring out how things work. A scientist from the beginning, she craved to dig into the mysteries of life and understand why things are the way they are. After working in the pharmaceutical industry for 15 years, she dropped out of corporate America to homeschool her four children. She has always had a side business in her life and shares her other business, shares with other business owners and creatives how to manage a well-lived life of children, family, friends, and clients while not suffering from burnout. Her 12 books, 87, now 91 online courses, four podcast programs, and syndicated radio show all express her desire to share her systems and routines with others, and I expect she'll share some of them with us on the show today. So welcome, Janine, to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. And that's what I love so much about this show is the guy who knows a guy is pretty awesome. So thanks for having me on. Yes, glad to have you on. This is actually my second podcast you've been on, I believe, because <laughs> you're on the Power Lunch live show before. But this is this is the flagship show. Ooh, I've yeah. made it up the ranks. I am now that, on the flagship. Yes, yes, this is the one that has has, has my name on it. So, to speak. <laughs> um, so the the theme of this season, as I mentioned before, is that I'm interviewing people who've been successful in business, especially in the fields of networking or using networking community building, um, mm. and sharing how they've used networks networking to do awesome things in the world. So let's kick it off there. How have you used networking to do awesome things in the world? Well, I have been in business since I was 10 years of age. And the very first business I had was selling earthworms to bait shops. I was that kid in Southern Missouri. I was riding around on my bicycle and I would go get night crawlers as we call them. And I would run them to bait shops and blah, blah, blah. So that that's kind of where I got my start basically digging in the dirt, trying to get a few books put together so I could buy a car, which I did successfully buy a car. But then, you know, with a car comes all the other myriad of expenses. So you have to stay in business so that you can continue to pay for the way you do business, right? Mm -hmm. And so networking has always been a part to me, it was as natural as breathing. It was like, you never know who can serve you or who you can serve. Uh, when it came to the good old boy network in Southern Missouri, I was given a lot of chances by people because I was a girl and I was trying, I was doing this thing in the, in the mid eighties. Um, and then what was fascinating is you quickly learn who has stereotypes and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. And rather than trying to break stereotypes, I just go around them. I'd say, well, doesn't matter what I look like, does it? I, if I can get the job done. And that's when people would try to get you to do it at half price. 
And I would say I'm as strong as any guy because I use my head better. And so what I started doing with networking, and truly we are getting around to networking. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to break paradigms in order to make it happen well. Mm. And so what I did was I would challenge them to how to dig a ditch. Now, if anybody has ever lived in Southern Missouri, you understand that it's made mostly of granite and red clay. (laughs) (laughs) At least where I was in southern Missouri, closer to the Arkansas border. If you get closer up to the northern part of Missouri, that's where the beautiful, rich black dirt is that most people know Missouri by. However, where I was, granite, red clay. That's where we were. And so I challenged them to digging a ditch. And they'd come out with their big shovel. And I'd say, "Who will mark it off from here to there. And what they didn't know was I had learned how to dig ditches from the Navy because my dad was Navy. And mm-hmm. I learned how you dig a ditch and how you dig it fast so you can go and get out and do something else, right? So I learned that you don't take big bites with your shovel. You take itty bitty little bites with the shovel and you can dig a ditch much quicker than if you take big bites with your shovel and you're trying to do it. Well, men, I had learned in Southern Missouri in the early 80s, really thought with their physique rather than their brain. And so I could usually about 98% of the time outdig a full-grown farmer's son, and that was a lot of fun. So that is how you go about networking is you just have to think differently about it, and I kind of have three rules. Did you want me to go over those three rules? Yes, let's, let's start with the three rules. Okay, so the three rules, and most networkers know this now, now that we've been on Zoom for the last two years and all that, is you go to your uh, first meeting without expectations. Mm-hmm. Now, I have seen people show up to a meeting and go, so what are we talking about today? No, 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 no. You say without expectation, you have no expectation to sell this person. You do not expect them to be a client, but that does not mean that you do not have structure. Hello, you are a business person. (laughs) You need to have some sort of structure. And so I have a series of questions that I ask that have nothing to do with business. I will say things like, oh, what did your parents do when you were growing up? And then you find out about people. What is it that Mm -hmm. you like to do? What are your hobbies? Like, I go and dig into the human being. Why? I want to make sure that I even want to do business with this guy or this gal. You know, Mm. I want to make sure that they're even somebody I want to have anything to do with. And the more they start talking about themselves, the more they are disarmed. And the more I learn about them Mm. to a point where I will learn very quickly what their moral compass is like. I will learn whether or not they see the world as a friendly place or as a dangerous place. I learned so much about them in that initial. So just because you go without expectation does not mean you don't have structure. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) You have your own personal agenda. Now, people will say you you shouldn't go with an agenda. I have an agenda, and I am always very clear about that. My agenda is I want to get to know Michael Whitehouse better. Mm-hmm. So what do I need to know about you so that I can get to know you better? So that's when I start asking you very, uh, pro, as some people would say, probing questions. Well, mm. I've been interviewing people since I, 1987 when I first got on radio. So I learned how to interview v- back then when I couldn't see the face. I was just on a telephone call with people. So <laughs> that, that's the fun one. The second one is you make sure that you do appropriate follow-up. Most people are very good at networking. They meet a lot of people and they always go, yeah, I really suck at follow-up. Hello, you need systems. Make sure you have a system for following up with the people that you want to spend time with. So those are the two big ones right off the bat. Nice. 
yeah, those are definitely definitely good ones. And um, yeah, I like that idea of of don't have an agenda but have an agenda. As, well, as like a, no like a meeting agenda. Yeah, like a but, meeting agenda versus an agenda agenda. Right. Yeah, and so that's where English gets us in trouble because uh -huh. one person means it one way and the other. So it's correct. No agenda. No expectation. The agenda is. I'm here to close 15 deals. That's where that comes from. That's that 50s model yeah. that we had on sales where you're always closing the deal. No, we're here to connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the follow-up is, is also really, really powerful and key one. Um, and, and getting back to talking about, about uh, breaking through uh, expectations and, and stereotypes when, um, so I, I share on, on TikTok fairly often about, about networking and one of the, the bits of pushback, yeah, TikTok's interesting because you get a cross-section of the population response um, because of the way it engages the audience. And I get a lot of people saying, well, networking is, is a privilege or, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's great for you as a white guy to say go network to find a job, but not everyone can do that um, because that, that's just something that, uh, you know, old white guys can do and, and nobody else has access to the networking space. So I, I like what you were saying about uh, about how you would would subvert or um, <laughs> or flip those expectations and turn them almost turn them to your advantage. I would. I would take all the things that were quote quote wrong with me, and I realized mm -hmm. those were my superpowers. Let me give you an example. I was told I was highly dyslexic that I I didn't see things uh, in the right way according to certain people. I took this as an advantage. I'm like. Well, don't give me written directions, but if you show me how to do this, you will never have to show me again. Mm. And let me tell you how many times employers love that. So what I say to people who are saying, oh, well, it's just an old white guy, and therefore, of course, you know all about networking, that's a bunch of malarkey. I've been on the other side, where I went into a networking group as a white woman and was very much ostracized because I wasn't part of the demographic everybody expected to see there mm -hmm. because this was the Caribbean Bahamas networking group. While I lived in Eleuthera for years and years, I learned the Queen's and the King's English. I know how to do both. And the fact that I knew about the island life and all that, but because I didn't fit their model. So I don't want to hear it. You know, I hear a lot of people talking about, well, that's privilege or that's this or that's that. I'm sorry, that's an excuse. You need to kick that butt to the curb. I can do that, but I can do that, but kick your butt to the curb because that is just a bunch of malarkey. It's, it's you limiting yourself and I won't put up with it. I'll tell you right out, that is malarkey. I'm not going to put up with it. I, I like that. Mm -hmm. okay, I, that. That's even more direct than I am. I might have to clip this, I'm out very and put direct. this on TikTok. So. I am not I am not for everybody and I don't try to be and I don't even I don't even advertise that I'm for everybody. I'm exceedingly picky mm -hmm. on who it is. And so some people would say, "Oh my god, you're so exclusive." What why? I said because there are some people that's personalities will not go well with me. They are oil, I am water or you are water and I'm oil. I don't mm -hmm. care however you want to label that. And so yeah. I don't try to be something for everyone and yes, I am exceedingly direct. But that kind of comes with so many life experiences where I was in life or death situations. Let me tell you something. You face death once in your life, it changes you. You face death twice in your life, you care even less what people think about. You face death three times, all bets are off. You could give a rat's monkey uncle, however you want to say that stuff, 
without cussing and keeping all this PG, uh, <laughs> I can give a flip what somebody thinks about me because I am going to live my best life because I know I personally, I'm on bonus time. Okay, so I got to ask about that because you, you gave me the, the lead into it. Um, so you say you have faced death three times. Yes. So The first time I was struck by lightning. Okay. And I was in middle school. The second time I fell off a horse and I was told I would never walk again. And there was a point where they didn't think that they were going to be able to resuscitate me. And then there was a third time where I was diagnosed incorrectly uh, with a very terminal condition. I was told I had six months to live. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you kind of you've kind of stopped playing by other people's rules at that point. Mm -hmm. And if people say, my God, you are so direct. It's like, I don't have time to deal with your social taboos. I really don't have time for that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's, and essentially too, of course, because, because everyone has different social mores and social structures and assumptions. And so those who aren't direct and are expecting other people to read their minds, um yeah and like any sitcom if if everyone's direct there'd be no sitcoms because every sitcom storyline is someone saying half of what they're thinking but not the rest of it or they forgot to mention something and hilarity ensues which i don't really like on tv and i can't stand in real life so i'm a big fan of direct so (laughs) well i figure there's so much going on in our world that isn't direct right now Mm mm-hmm that it's it's a breath of fresh air and people are like you need to be authentic you need authenticity and i'm like actually no i disagree with that i am not going to be authentic because if you're walking toward me and i see that you are 380 pounds the last thing i'm going to say is oh my god when you're going to lose weight that's authentic right that's authentic if you want to get like down to brass tacks now i'm direct but i would never overtly say something that I know is interest to somebody, which mm-hmm. is, I don't know their life story. I have no idea why they are overweight. And it's not my job to know. My job is to see what can I do in this moment to bring them a little bit of comfort if it may be only smiling at them. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, if you have a big guy that's in front of you and he's not smiling at you, I can guarantee you it's because he's in pain. His feet hurt his knees hurt, or his back hurts. Mm. And I always look at them and go, how you doing today? You all right? And they're like, oh, I'm making it. I'm like, can I do something to help you be more comfortable? And that alone is enough to earn you a friend for life. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I find, find in- interesting is that most people are pretty open to sharing their challenges, their needs, if you give them the opening to do so. Because nobody wants to be that, that guy who's complaining to everyone he meets, you know, going through the checkout line. Oh man, my back's really bothering me today. And you know, the cashier's like, okay, that's 1927, sir. Move along. Um, you know, nobody <laughs> wants to see that. But at the same time, if you give them that opening, like you did, you know, how, how are you doing in that tone that says, I want to know how you doing, not, mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing? You know, <laughs> that you, you really want to know that, that people will, will really open up with mm-hmm. it's a surprising uh, level of, of openness about mm-hmm. an array of things that you'd never expect people to talk about. And it's only because you gave them the option. And by mm-hmm. the way, that's the third rule of networking. The third rule I have of networking is treat people like people. Oh, well, that's pretty crazy. Treat people like people. Not, 
You, you mean not like prospects or leads or? <laughs> I think you nailed it, dude. You're really <laughs> bright that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, it's amazing. So I've been both surprised by how many people don't treat people like people and then refreshed by how many people actually do want to, or they've been taught not to. You know, they want to, but then the, the marketing guru says, oh, you can't treat people like people, then you'll go broke. Yeah, think of them as in numbers and leads and volume and conversion rates. And and so people who want to treat people like people are like, well, I don't want to be broke. So I guess I got to gotta slam deals because that's, that's how business works, right? And I don't know about you, but how many times have you heard this? Now you need to know and figure out what works and then scale. you got to scale your business, scale your business, scale your business. Mm -hmm. Like it's all about growth and scale. And I didn't get into being an entrepreneur so that I could scale my business to a lifestyle I have no interest in being mm -hmm. in. Yep. I am very crystal clear on the type of lifestyle I have and I want. And as long as my business is providing for that, I do not need to scale. That's why I'm exclusive. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I, I think also people have a, have a, an odd idea of what is enough. A lot of people are like, Oh, I want, I want a million dollars. And then you ask them why they say, well, you know, I don't want to worry about bills and I want a nice house and I want a decent, reliable car. And, and you add it all up and their cost of living is $93,000 a year, not a million dollars. It's a 10th of that. And, it's a whole different business model to get to a million than to get to 93 a year. And, the, and I think if more people realize that, you know, you don't need to build a million dollar business. And, and of course, people I know who uh, uh, Michael Bozinski talks in his podcast about how he had a $3 million a year business and he was actually bringing home like 55,000 a year because his expenses were almost equal to his very high top line revenue because he didn't have a profitable business. He had, I think he was an entrepreneurial poverty. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. You know, he'd scaled the business, but he didn't have any money. Exactly. And that's one of the things that drives me. I will not go into debt for my business. I learned that back when I was 14. Mm. I would never go into debt for my business. Number two, my business will be profitable. And if it is not profitable, it has a certain period of time to become profitable. And I have that de you know, deadline. I have that target date set in stone and if it's not profitable by that point i bail mm. uh, and, and another thing i noticed uh both in this interview and talking to you uh other times is you're very you're very direct about money you know what things <laughs> cost what you charge um, oh yeah which i think is something a lot of entrepreneurs would benefit from a lot are like you know how much charge i charge um dollars what was that <laughs> let me cut that in half for you yeah um and, and you know they're, they're throwing a discount before they've even said the number they're like, yeah, I can give you 50% off, but my normal price is. I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down. I might have paid your normal price. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're so afraid to talk about money. And, and you know, I myself am working on getting over that and being willing to ask for money and, like, ask people to pay me for things. Um, so besides being, you know, uh, fighting Norse gods and having lightning bolts thrown at you and fighting horses um, – what what do you what do you think has helped you to be so direct with with being able to say like this is what I charge this is what it is and and not back away from that? I know my worth. I know what I carry between my ears. I understand my intellectual property. So this is an experience I like to share with people. I had somebody sit down in an airplane with me, 
and we were ta- you know, we weren't taxiing yet. We still both had our phones on and everything. And they said, oh, what do you do? And I said, I'm an author. Oh, what do you write about? You know, this typical questions. And I, I was sharing with him what I wrote about. And he goes, oh, I would love to pick your brain. I went, quick, before they close the door, will that be Venmo or PayPal? And he looked at me and he goes, what? I'm like, we're about ready to have a two and a half hour flight. And you're going to pick my brain the entire time. And I charge $497 per 30 minutes. Is that going to be Venmo or PayPal? <laughs> and so how did I get that direct? I know my worth. I know that I can get on a call with somebody for only 15 minutes. And usually I can save them anywhere from 200 to $2,000, depending upon their business model and what they're doing. Hmm. And so how did you get to that point? By running a lot of businesses. See, my business sells mistakes. People say, so what do you do for a living? I sell mistakes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So, yeah, because it's, it's cheaper to learn from other people's mistakes than to make your own mistakes. <laughs> yes, it is. And I can save you, Michael, seven years and $35,000. Oh. So <laughs> I understand that. For those who are listening, explain what that means. For folks who are listening, that means it's taken me seven years to get here with this current business model. I have spent over $35,000 to recover from the mistakes I've made. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's way too, but I think a lot of people, you know, they, they look at whatever it is, they're running a summit, publishing a book, doing social media. And they say, I, I can do that. I can figure that out. I know how to do that. But, but I'd say, you know, how many hours will it take you to figure it out? How many mistakes will you make? How many times will you have to redo it and try it again? Um, before, uh, yeah, so, so for people who are, who are new in business, um, who maybe don't have a lot of money to spend and aren't going into debt for their business because they listened to Janine and said, oh, I like what Janine said there. I'm going to also not go into debt. Um, what is your recommendation for them? Is, is it just make the mistakes and learn the hard way? Or or what would your what would your advice be for them? My advice be, would be for them, and Michael, I'm only bringing this up because you've asked the question. I want everybody to understand that but I have a 90 minute workshop where I walk you through how to start making money with just intellectual property. You have no product. You have no service. You have no list. You have nothing. You don't even have a website. What we do is we run a 90 minute workshop for you and you start making money with that. And through that you build everything else you need. So it's called planned profitability. And I run that workshop once a month. That is very valuable. I'm hoping you'll give me a link to that and we'll put it in the show notes. So people can find I would be happy to do so. Um, Cause that's something I think is, is huge for, for newer entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs is the big, you know, it's a big step to get there. You're like, Hey, I want to start a business. And people ask me like, so did you take a course? Do you have a degree? And I'm like, no, I just kind of started doing stuff and some of it worked, uh, which isn't necessarily scalable. Some of these courses you spend $10,000 and all you've got is a $10,000 credit card bill. And like a certificate on the wall, but you still don't have a business. So it's so important for there to be those, you know, level zero programs that people can get into and learn how to make their first thousand dollars, their first ten thousand dollars to buy the ten thousand dollar program without just putting on a credit card. Exactly. That's precisely what those are for, is to help people out with the very beginnings of things. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, yes. So so what what inspired you to create that? entry level 
what inspired me was I had a shaman come to me and say, Janine, I have exactly 55 people on my email list. I have a Wix website. <laughs> I have no products. Uh, all The only service I have is the uh, shamanistic readings that I do, the psychic readings that I do. And I only have 48 people on my Facebook group. Can you help me? I said, <laughs> yes, if you will allow me to use you as a case study, I will be glad to, because I also am a shaman and I have a whopping 68 people on my email list. And I don't, I have like 300 some odd people on my <laughs> Facebook group for that. So let's use this as a case study. We made $1,500 on our workshop. Why? Because we're working on a book together. And so we are working together on the workshops to make sure that we have the money to give the publisher because we need $3,000, but he needed $1,500 up front before we could do our book. So I thought, well, this is perfect. I know exactly what people are going through. I know exactly how to make money and this is the way you do it. And this is how you sell your intellectual property when you have nothing else that you can offer and people are willing to pay for it. And if you think we were using high price points, we weren't. Our uh, early bird offer was $37. Our full price offer was $57. And if you wanted private readings with Reno or I after the workshop, that was our bump up offer for $197. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to make that much money based on that very low ticket offer. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great point you make is that, is that, you know, low ticket offers can add up and also low ticket, low there's low and there's low. Um, you know, before I was, I had cash flow in the business. I was driving Uber for about thirty bucks an hour, um, and so that involves like being in my car. The expenses aren't that high, but it still takes an hour of my time. And now I've got, you know, the Entrepreneur Mentor Community is a forty-seven dollar a month program, which involves a lot of people that I already know, that I've already brought in, that I've already set up the infrastructure. I don't need to like personally do anything for each individual member. And so if I get a member, that's the same as an hour and a half for an Uber driver or, what, five hours for a, someone working at Target. Um, and so it's – 47 is considered low ticket, but it still, you know, beats working. It does. And one of the things that I absolutely love about these workshops that I do for people is it's serving a very specific need. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make them money. And that's the thing. If they're not making money, if I can't make money, and if my partner or my workshop, you know, buddy can't make money, then we're doing something horribly wrong and we need to stop. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we have found is that most of our people do very well as long as that they have been engaged with their community, which comes right back around to what you were talking about with networking. I have had people who have taken my 90-minute workshop and said, Janine, I did your plan profitability and it didn't work. And when we started chatting with them on my Friday open coffee, because that's the only time I have for my students. Uh -huh. But uh, when we started chatting with them on the Friday open coffee, they said, oh, I was chatting with people and, and nobody signed up. And I said, they said nothing, you know, cause I have a whole series of swipe copy. We offer them in templates and, you know, I take good care of my people. And they were like, yeah. And I said, what do you think the problem was? And they're like, I need to run this again, but first I need to warm up my list. See entrepreneurs know, they know where the problem mm -hmm. is if they've been well shown a system. And so that that's about the only time that, 
people haven't done well with the plan profitability. But my goal for you is if you get one person to buy something, that's proof of concept. Run with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And so, so tell me a little more about you're talking about, you know, warming up the list, which also ties back to the treat people like people um, <laughs> and not like not like number, you know, emails on a list. Um, so so what, what do you mean by by warm up the list and, and engage with the community? So this person is going to have to take three months because it's just going to take that kind of time. What I found out, she hadn't been on her social media in 18 months. So the first time people hear from her. <laughs> so one of the ways I do it to warm up a list is I sing happy birthday to people. So when Facebook has that option where you can find out exactly when it's somebody's birthday, and you can do that on LinkedIn as well. You can find out when people are having birthdays, and there's a very specific place that you go. So I take that link out of my browser, and I make sure that I put that in my calendar, and I have 15 minutes a day where I'm singing happy birthday to people. Do I sing well? Am I fabulous? Absolutely not. None of the above. But you know what? People love it because I use the voice text option. They're actually hearing my voice. Mm. It's not a text. I'm not singing into it and they're reading text. It's, it's me talking to them. And so I will sing happy birthday. I will laugh. I've sneezed in the middle of times. I've dropped phones. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I dropped the phone. Well, this is unique. You know, I'm very human. And that's mm-hmm. what I, that's the being people being people. So I did that probably for a year before I ever started doing the uh, 90 minute workshops. And so when I reached out to people, it was very specific because I had wished them happy birthday and I received messages back from them and we had been engaged in email. I had offered them to come on to some of my free stuff. So it takes time, but oh my gosh, what else are you going to be doing? Mm-hmm. Right? What, what else should you be doing? To me, it's like, this is why I'm in business. It's getting to know people. I love that part. I love the networking part. Mm. Yeah, which also brings up the scale point that you made. Uh, you know, if you scale your business to a million dollars or $5 million or whatever, then you you no longer know your know your customers. They're not people anymore. They have to be, you know, they have to be in quantity because you need 10,000 customers at $100 a month to, to, to have that level of revenue. Well, that's if your business is B2C. So if your business is two customer-specific individuals, yes. Mm -hmm. But if you're a business owner that enjoys business owners. So I guess before you ever get in business, you should decide, well, who do I want to do business with? Do I Mm. want to do business with other business owners? Do I want to do business with individual people? Are there specific people I want to work with? Do I want to work with institutions? Do I want to work with 501c3s? So, you know... Figure all that out before you start your business. Yeah, that's also key. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, even even if it's at ten thousand dollars, you know, ten thousand dollar B two B clients, you still need a whole lot of them uh, to get to a million dollars. Of course, um, yeah, and if so that's that, that's, that's when you have like coaches on your team, and and maybe you're doing a monthly call, and you're seeing a bunch of little boxes. You don't actually really know your clients, um, but. But I think that's one of those questions is, do you want to scale to the point where, where you know, I, anyone who's paying me, I know them. There's no, there's no, there's no one who's like a name attached to a dollar amount who I don't know them. Um, at some point, I think that my, my community may grow, may grow to the point where I don't know every person giving me $47. Um, but, but that's, but, you know, anyone who's a significant client, I will still personally know. And 
and there is an issue there with with scaling past that point because then you have a very different different business, uh, especially the point where you know sometimes someone will say, "Oh, I had a really bad experience with with Susie Q," and it's not Susie Q. You've never met Susie Q. You've met Susie Q's coach and her customer service and watched her videos, but your opinion is of her. Um, you say, "Yeah, her program didn't work." You never met her. You've just gotten the things she made, which is a very different business from like coaching someone individually um so so it at, at your you're talking about your kind of business lifestyle are you still at the point where you work with everyone individually and directly or are you more I scaled work, up or a little both uh i work with individuals at certain price points okay but for the most part i am almost 90 percent group settings I just don't have enough time in my calendar to be able to connect with everybody that wants it. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, my price points will dictate that. However, there are times where there will be an individual that will come to me with a significant need. And I always say, you can join this group or that group. And if they're in too much of hard shape, I always have one group a month that meets and it's pay what you can. Mm -hmm. So if people really want to get a hold of me and they really want to work with me on some level, they can always join the pay what you can. You know, I have that group and we meet month, once a month. And for some people, that's enough. Mm -hmm. If they want more, then I say, get my book, Money It's Not Just for Rich People, and start working on that debt load. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and so you mentioned that you have, um, I, I believe it's four four spokes to your eight <laughs> gates. Yes. <laughs> so, 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 what are all the what are all the different aspects of of the uh, Janineverse? Um, yeah. So, the Empire is, and I only use that term laughingly because it was a joke from one of my fellow radio show hosts. They're like, "Okay, so the Janine Bolin Empire, tell me about this." And I just said, "Well, the Eight Gates has got four major spokes to it, and that's based on my students and the demographics that I was writing those twelve books to." So mm -hmm. one book is on the financial, which is the money is not just for rich people and ditch your debt and the 60-40 principle. The other one is the thriving solopreneur because I have a soft spot in my heart. That's how I was a solopreneur for decades and decades mm -hmm. before I built out the amazing team that I have now. Um, and so that's a soft spot in my heart. Then there's authors because I have written, well, I'm working on books 13 and 14 now, but you know because I've written 12. I have a soft spot in my heart for authors and creatives. I know the struggle. I understand the demons that you face. Some people say dragons, Shane, not demons, minor dragons. <laughs> I know what you're facing. And so let's make sure we can get you to where you need to go. And then the, the last one is the mysticism or the spirituality, because uh, I'm a recovering Catholic and I know what it's like to be in a place where you have things happening to you. You're an ordinary person but yet you have these extraordinary experiences and who do you go and who do you call? And mm -hmm. so I, <laughs> I service that population as well. So those are the four spokes, money, how to make money, thriving solopreneur, how to save your wisdom, which is writing authorship. And then, yeah. How do you save your sanity? That's mysticism. Ah, okay. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I always had the extent, the, the sense there was, there's more and more every time I talk to you, there's more. <laughs> There's another <laughs> another thing you're doing going going through. There's many the layers. Yes. As Shrek says, it's an onion, my dear. You just keep peeling. <laughs> yeah. Like an onion. Yep. And so where does the where does the name the eight gates come from? Well, that is a Native American principle. 
Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I learned, I was struck by lightning. I was adopted into several different Native American tribes and learned many of their ways. Um, And one of the things they have is this thing called the eight gates. And each of these gates is a a different place, metaphysically speaking, uh, where you have a grandmother and grandfather that reside there. And it's a way of orienting yourself, not only in three-dimensional space-time, but also four-dimensional space-time. And so it can get quite... Uh, quite interesting. I learned to affiliate it with physics because I teach mathematics and physics. Um, it was very easy for me to say, oh, I totally understand what they're doing with this. So you have these uh, four cardinal points on the compass. Well, that's very two-dimensional, right? When you're looking at a map, you have north, south, east, and west. It's mm-hmm. very two-dimensional because as any orienteering person will tell you there's also elevations. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when you start moving into, and that's your three-dimensional space. So then you have the four cardinal points, north, south, east, and west, but then you have up and then you have down. And then you have within the gate that goes within and the gate that goes without. And you go to the fourth dimension with that. So those are the eight gates that make up the human experience, or I should say the spiritual experience of the soul in a human incarnation yeah fascinating and now i know even more because i I see so many business agents kind of pass by and then as you're looking those like eight gates eight i should take advantage of this to ask and finally finally find out what those eight gates are and now i know so so this has been has been fascinating hopefully uh you are not disappointed by my my uh interviewing abilities because I know that you've been interviewing for a little bit of time. I won't ask you on the air because I know you give me an authentic answer. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you found it to be satisfactory. Um, <laughs> it's but, fine. But this has been great to learn learn so much and also to have you share your, your networking strategies and ideas. Um, this has been fantastic. So if people do want to get in touch with you through, through one of your um, various axes or gates or um, portals, uh, what are the best ways to get in touch with Janine Bolin and the Janine Bolin Empire. I think the best way is to go onto LinkedIn and look up Janine Bolin, and that is spelled colon with a B. Unfortunate but true. <laughs> and that's the easiest way. One of my team members, either Lynette or Michelle, will connect with you. And please say in the notes that you heard me on Michael's podcast because I have a lot of people that want to connect with me, and many of them are Nigerian princes that assure me that they need to get married to me. So please, (laughs) please say in the notes, I heard you, I saw you, you we spoke, let my team know uh, something. So use the notes section, I heard you on Michael's podcast, a guy that knows a guy, and you will be in no problem. And the other thing is, is you can go to my website, the8gates.com, and you could go there, and on it, you'll see Open Friday Coffee, and you can register to join me on Friday morning when I open up a Zoom room and we chat. Open virtual coffee? What a brilliant idea. Somebody, like this guy that knows a guy, was the one that gave me the idea. I took that football, and I made a home run, a home run, touchdown with it. (laughs) Yeah, you took that football, made a home run. I made a home run out of it, You knocked that football right into the net. Um, (laughs) Nothing but net without nothing but net the first time. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I, I, um, for for those of you listening who are like, what is he talking about? I came up with the open virtual coffee. I made a blog post about it. 
And for me, it's simply so many people want to meet with me one on one. I'm like, I don't have time to do all these one on one meetings. Well, we go. I've got to send those all the open virtual coffee first, and I'll get you know two, three, maybe four people. It's not not a big event. And then I go to Janine's open virtual coffee, and it's an event. There's, it is. There's a dozen people. There's connections getting made. There's <sighs> deals getting made. People are learning things from each other. It is it is uh, quite a thing. So I've learned the potential of my own idea by watching Janine execute on my idea. So that's <laughs> And it was brilliant. And I always let people know about it. And I have it shut down to where if we get 20 people, then you can't get into that room. And so I highly recommend you register because it does fill up and it fills up quickly. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad I was... I'm honored to be able to get on your calendar to get you on the show here. And thank you, uh, thank you for sharing so much of the story. It's always exciting to learn more and more of the of the uh, infinite depths of the <laughs> Poland universe. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. Please be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd love to hear your feedback. Email me at michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. Learn more about me and what I'm up to at guywhoknowsaguy.com. Know someone who might find this interview interesting? Why not share it with them? And be sure to join me every Monday for the Monday Update right here on the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast feed. I'm Michael Whitehouse, the Guy Who Knows a Guy, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect jv-connect.com. That's jv-connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.